Flicking has stopped. All right. Stop it. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all here this morning. Glad you could be here. Please keep your Bibles open. Uh, 1 John chapter 3. To help um, illustrate the passage, I've got two helpers today who uh, will be innocently coming towards me in a moment with cups of water. Um, And what I want to illustrate this morning is that there's two different ways to respond to those moments in life that come upon us that the Bible talks about. How do we respond when kind of life sneaks up on us, when life kind of just randomly bumps in? Oh, sorry. sorry. sorry Are you Cla- serious? I'm sorry, Clarissa. I just didn't no, see that. Don't, don't even bother. Don't want to hear it. Okay. All right. Um, there's, there's different ways to respond in life, isn't there, uh, to people when they, uh, when they bump into you. Um, yeah. Um, oh, these cables, honestly, they're really, really... Oh, sorry, Chris. Sorry, mate. I didn't see. Yeah, I'm all right. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. It's water. Oh, good. Okay. Sorry about that, Chris. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. You too. Have a good day. All right. Thanks a lot. Interesting, isn't it? Now, I tried to choose one of the most unlikely people in our church to react harshly in choosing Clarissa. <laughs> And I wonder, when you're knocked in life, or when you're criticised in life, or even in church, what immediately spills out of you? What spills out of your kind of internal cup, your emotions? What emotions are you carrying around inside you? When life bumps into you, when someone in life irritates you or rubs you up the wrong way, what spills out? Is it love? Is it kindness? Is it grace? Is it frustration? Is it irritation? Is it anger? As we very uncharacteristically saw from Clarissa. 
How do you habitually react toward other people, especially when they frustrate you or hurt you, even if it's unintentional? As Christians, how do we react to our brothers and sisters who we are called to love first and foremost out of all people in the world? It wasn't just Jesus' habit to love others. It's the very essence of his, wow. I know, it's, it's that speaker. We, are, we, need to, we, we, are, we have a plan to have our own speakers at the front of church um, soon. We'll press on. It wasn't just Jesus' habit to love others. It was the very essence of his being. It was who he was. Christ loves others. And if we are in Christ, we share that essence, in a sense, uh, with him. One of the greatest tests of genuine Christianity is the way we love others. Verse 11 in your Bibles, it's on the screen as well. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. There's a constant battle raging within every human being. Will I live God's way or will I live my way? In most people, that battle is so suppressed that they barely notice God's imprint upon them. That's the people who live in the world around us. They barely notice that they're made in God's image, made for relationship with Him. But even as Christians, we can struggle, can't we? When we get out of bed in the morning, will I live God's way or am I going to live my way today? I wonder if you feel that tension. Abel was a godly man. He and his brother Cain were asked to offer up a sacrifice to God and Abel willingly, sacrificially, joyfully offered up a generous sacrifice. He willingly, sacrificially, joyfully gave to God. Is that the same for us? Do we willingly, joyfully, sacrificially give to God? Cain, however, was stingy and self-serving and his sacrifice did not please God. God had warned him but he refused to obey. And in his anger at God, he killed his brother, Abel. Blood was shed for the first time in world history. Why did he do it? Well, we're told because his actions were evil and his brother's actions were righteous. How do you feel when you're with brothers and sisters in Christ and you know you're not being godly and they are? You're in a conversation, perhaps you're swearing a little bit, perhaps you're talking in a way you shouldn't, but they're not. They're being godly with their speech. Perhaps you're at a get-together at a dinner, at a party or something like that, and you know you're drinking a little too much, and they're not. They're just sticking to the soft drinks. How do you feel towards them? Are you proud of them at that moment? Are you glad they're being godly and you realize you're not? Or do you despise them a little bit? Are you a bit bitter towards your Christian brother or sister when they're being godly and you're not? How do you respond towards them? Do you feel bitterness? Do you feel even hatred for them, for being a goody two-shoes? Cain felt bitterness and hatred. And we're told hatred is murder of the heart. Verse 13, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. 
We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death, and anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. The world hates the followers of Jesus just as it hated Jesus. If we call ourselves Christians and then show hatred towards one another, we're no Christian at all. This is the work of the devil, the one who Cain belonged to. The follower of Jesus is filled to the brim with God's love, filled to overflowing with the love of God that ought to spill out of us, that love, in any and every situation, even difficult situations, just as it did from Jesus. My favourite verse in the Bible is Romans 5.8 that says... God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, Christ showed immense love for us. Genuine hate results ultimately in murder. Genuine love results ultimately in self-sacrifice, as we sang about in that last song, Take My Life. Look at verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech only but with actions and in truth. Just as a little side note, I think it's a stunning coincidence, or more likely work, work of God, that John 1, 3, 16 should so closely resemble John 3.16. John 3.16 is the most famous Bible verse in the world. And there's such a close relationship. They're so similar. 1 John 3.16 and below it, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. The New Testament was originally written in Koine Greek, in ancient Greek. There were no spaces, there were no vowels, there were certainly no chapter numbers or verse numbers. They were added in later for our convenience, and I'm glad they were. It would have been really hard to read, no spaces or no vowels. What a stunning providence that these two verses should so closely resemble one another. Anyway, that's a side note. I just think that's really cool. Back to the letter. There's a real sense in which... We can't imitate the love of Christ. Jesus died for us and rose again. He died for his children. We can't die for one another. I mean, should a gunman walk in, I'd like to think that the husbands would instinctively become human shields, but we're not likely to be called to that sort of circumstance where we actually have to die for one another. So what's it saying? Well... If Christ's love really wins our hearts and brings us to repent and entrust our lives to Him, we would want to express that same quality of love in our devotion to one another, to our fellow Christians. A love that gives without counting the cost, without any thought of return, without first weighing up whether or not this love is deserved. That's the kind of love we ought to give, that ought to spill out of us 
in life automatically if we're in Christ. It's a love that's entirely without self-interest. It's sacrificial, as was Jesus' death for us. It's the nature of God's love to give, just as it's the nature of the sun to shine. And that love is the mark of a faith that's genuine. Genuine love, genuine faith is revealed in genuine love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. This love touches our hearts, it touches our bank accounts, it touches our diaries. It governs the stewardship of our time and our talents, our energy and our possessions. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, as Paul wrote in Corinthians. I've had the extraordinary privilege of seeing this kind of love at work in our church these past seven years or so since we launched, since we planned it about seven and a half years ago. We can debate about how long ago it was later. <laughs> I've been privileged to, to receive that love time and time again from many of you as you've loved me and as you've loved our family. I don't want to single people out because many, many people have loved in many, many ways in our church over these past seven years. But there are two people who have served in Kids Church since the very first day we launched, and they still are serving in Kids Church, such is their love for the children of our church. There are two men who've served on our leadership team, one from the very, very start and one from very early on, such is their love for our church. I've watched as exhausted mums sing and serve morning tea and coordinate morning tea for years because there was no one else to do it out of love for our church. I've watched men genuinely, joyfully hang banners in driving rain at 8 o'clock in the morning without complaint out of love for their church. There is genuine love in our church. It's been a delight to watch the kids grow and start to serve our church in different ways other than just being cute and adorable and, and fun, to serve on rosters and things. And next week, sadly, we will farewell Jordan, who has been a wonderful blessing to our church since we started. He was one of the small handful of children we had in our church uh, seven and a half years ago. Now we've got lots and lots and lots. It was a great kid spot this morning, wasn't it? Hundreds of them. And next week, we'll farewell Jordan. Jordan's been a part of our church longer than anyone, apart from his mum and Vicky. Vicky's been, longest, Vicky's been here a long, long time, much longer than me, um, part of our church. I wonder, is there room for growth in our love? Could we love even more than we are? If yes, in what ways could we be loving each other more? I want to hear from you. I want you to have a chat with some people around you. Move around if you want. I'm going to give you a good few minutes. What are some ways we could be loving each other even more than what we are right now? Have a chat. Gather together. Have a clump. Sit on your own if you want. Have a think. What are some ways we could be loving each other more? Go. Got a couple of minutes.
Alrighty. So sharing what you think is also scary. So just always scary. So just dob in a mate. <laughs> Carol's going to take some notes for me because she's wonderful. Um, so yeah, it's scary to tell me to share what you think, but just just tell me what your neighbour thinks instead. What'd you come up with? What's some other ways we could be we could be loving each other more? Do you think? Yes, Tara. Yeah, yeah. So, um, kind of swapping, swapping, swapping child mining and, and going on a date, sort of thing. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yep. Great idea. Uh, yep, Ros. Yeah, me too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Finding ways to share needs is is, um, is important, and I think, yeah, I, I'm convinced that we're we're better at showing grace than receiving it. Um, yeah, I think as a culture, uh, we find it hard to just accept accept generosity um, from other people. We, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's a pride thing or what it is, but yeah. So. How do we, and that's something that something to chat about, perhaps in our growth groups, how do we find a mechanism for, sh- for sharing our struggles more um, and then being willing to accept help? I think that's a hard thing I struggle with. You know, I'll, you know I'm really struggling at the moment, blah, blah, blah. Oh, cool, can I help you? No, I'll be right. <laughs> but you just said. <laughs> yeah. Yep, cool, excellent. Other things, other thoughts that other people in your group had or you had? Good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. So, um, encouraging each other with words, and um, praying for one another, and receiving prayer points from one people, and then also following up um, how God worked. Did was that prayer answered? You know, praise God that it was answered. And I think something we forget to do in growth groups, perhaps, and I encourage you to do in your growth groups, is to is to look back at things you you were praying for that God answered, and thank God as well as praying for new things. Good. Any other thoughts? Dean. Excellent. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, freeing up time, trying to block out Sunday afternoon, perhaps for for church relationships, um, whatever lunches, trips to the park, and maybe not in July. Yeah. Good. Was there other thoughts? This is great. Any other thoughts? If you have some more more thoughts, um, please. Write them down on the Connect card. I'm really keen uh, to hear if there's any ways that you feel like we could be loving each other better. Any ideas you might have? There's no bad ideas in a brainstorm. 
Um, please write them down. That would be awesome. Um, yes, um, I think hospitality is, is getting to know one another, um, loving one another in that way, having people over our homes. <coughs> And we'll get to know them and we can get to know what their struggles are too and, and, and then know how to love them better. And it can take time and energy, but as, as we're all doing it and being loved by one another as well and kind of being absolved of some required energy as we're loved, we've freed up to love one another. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a self-perpetuating thing. If we're loving one another, we'll create more energy and space for one another and if we're not loving one another, we'll just naturally <laughs> remove space and energy for one another as we, as we kind of feel the burden on ourselves. So it's kind of this self-perpetuating thing. I think, um, yeah, I think having, a, I think more and more trying to have people in our homes uh, is a good thing to do. And I'd suggest to keep it low-key. Uh, I'd suggest keep it low-key. Clean the toilets, that's, that'd be good. But apart from that... Um, pretty much just leave everything else as is. It's okay. And I don't know if we shy away from the expense. It doesn't have to be expensive. I love ham and salad sandwiches. You know, put ham and, and lettuce and tomato on a sandwich and I'm happy. Um, that would be awesome. So I think we can do more hospitality. Um, and as we've kind of alluded to, sharing our stories more and more with one another so we get to know one another and... And then we can pray for one another more meaningfully and, and love one another, I think, is a good thing to do. Um, everyone was buzzing after the big day in when they heard uh, from Josh, shared a lot of his life, and Jessamine did as well, and the wreath Marlers did as well. They shared much of their story uh, at the big day in, and Carol did last week. And it's always encouraging uh, to hear from people and hear their stories. Now... This week, you received, received now emails. I don't know if email's working anymore as a communication method because we get about 15 to 20 a day. I don't know about you. Um, but may I remind you that my ones are the most important ones, <laughs> right? They're the one you read first, not the work one. The boss can wait. <laughs> read my ones. I emailed you all twice this week about sharing your stories at church earlier in the week, and then it was in the newsletter on Friday afternoon as well. And I was a little disheartened that I got no response from anyone about sharing it. That's okay. Um, I think it would be really helpful to, uh, to hear people's stories in church. Now, I'm not going to kind of th throw you the mic and get you up here cold. Um, it would be a conversation between you and me, you know, what's, what's something you'd love to share or kind of tell me your Christian walk and how did you come to Christ and how's God been working in your life? That would be really encouraging for everyone to hear because we love one another and we, you know, whatever your story is, it doesn't have to be, you know, this massive dramatic conversion story. Whatever it is, it would be really, really encouraging uh, to hear. So, you can fill out your Connect card if you're keen or willing, maybe not keen, willing to share some of your story in church and, you know, you need to talk to me about what that looks like. Um, fill out the Connect card. You can do it right now while I'm preaching if you want. I'll be encouraged. Um, if you're willing to share some of your story at church, as we were encouraged by Josh and Jessamine and the Reith Mullers and Carol, so I'd love to be encouraged um, by you too, as I'm sure many would. 
And also, keep sharing your better ideas for ways we can get to know one another and share our lives. And Keep the ideas coming uh, via the Connect form, email, send me a text, whatever. I'm really open to ideas, so thanks. We're close to the end of the sermon, rest assured. Um, we're going to move on. The, nec- the next part is really, really important and really encouraging um, and really strange <laughs> when you kind of read it. Um, on, on first reading, it's kind of hard to get your head around. Now, I don't know about you, but ever since the pandemic, which, by the way, the pandemic has officially been declared to be over by the World Health, Health Organization a couple of weeks ago. Did you know that? It's over. It's all over. Don't have to talk about it anymore. Woohoo. I'm going to talk about it a little bit today. Since the pandemic, I've, I've lost a bit of confidence, I think, in relationships. I've lost a bit of confidence in evangelism, for sure. Um, during the mission last year, I was really challenged. Kitty was saying to me, let's go door knocking, and I was going, yeah, let's not. I've lost a bit of that confidence, and I'm the outreach coordinator for the parish now. That's a worry, isn't it? Um, but I know the way back to the confidence, so be of good cheer. Um, I think getting together with like-minded Christians and praying for evangelism, is that's the first thing we're going to do. I want to put together people from here and people from Harrington Park and Night Church who have a heart for the lost, put them in a room and hear their stories and then pray together and then say, okay, what are we going to do next? Uh, That's kind of, I think that's the way back. Are you finding relationships and evangelism in particular difficult or challenging or hard or is it a struggle? Um, Is just kind of doing life together with people, has it been hard? to do over the past 18 months as we've come back together. We've done a big day in, we've done a weekend away. These were really good things, but I wonder if, is there a greater reluctance to invite people over your home than there was perhaps um, pre-pandemic? And worse than that, do you then feel bad about yourself because you're reluctant to have people over your house or you're a bit hesitant in relationships more than you were before? Well, if you're like me, and you are struggling more than you were, and you get down on yourself about that, we'll take heart from these verses. Look at verse 19. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we receive from him anything we ask, because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them, and this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So firstly, focusing on verse 20, what this is saying is if you're struggling to self-sacrificially love others at church, maybe you just don't even, maybe you don't even feel like being here some Sundays. You don't even want to get out of bed and get dressed and come. It's just such an effort to just get in the car and come to church some weeks. If you're struggling to love others at church and put yourself out there and you feel bad about that, the fact that you feel bad about that is the sign that you have the Holy Spirit in your heart. Isn't that weird? That's weird, isn't it? If you care that you're struggling to love other people, that's a sign that you're a Christian. Remember that God knows your heart. God knows how you feel. He knows you don't, He knows you want to love others, but you don't feel like it right now. He knows these things. 
He knows your heart. And God isn't jumping up and down and raving and ranting and saying, do better. On the contrary, God has greater compassion on you in your times of struggle than normal. Just like a loving parent whose child is suffering, God has greater compassion when we struggle. God knows that the measure of love that we do have for him and for others is irrefutable evidence of the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God knows knows our hearts. He knows our love for Him. He knows we want to love others, even though we might struggle. And there is irrefutable evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work, that we've been born of God, that we've crossed from death to life. And He wants you to know that too. God wants to remind you that you are loved by Him, that you love Him and that you do love others. We are imperfect. We struggle. Our hearts cry out for a more consistent Christ-like love, but that does not destroy our assurance, it confirms it. Does that make sense? The fact that we're struggling, the fact that we don't like that we're not loving others as much as we could or should, confirms we have the love of God in us. And we can actually find rest in God. Verse 19. Peace in God in that moment when we're struggling to love and when we're self-condemning ourselves because of our struggles. We can find rest in that moment in the knowing that God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows we love Him. He knows in our heart of hearts we love others and desire to love others. He knows you're probably just tired or sleep-deprived or discouraged or stressed or anxious or depressed. God knows. God knows you. So be at peace in that moment when you're condemning yourself. Remember, God knows me better than I know myself. I can rest in Him and find peace in Him. It's part of living in God's grace is rest in the knowing that God knows everything and He knows us perfectly. He knows us better than I know us. we know ourselves, especially He knows us better than we know ourselves, especially in those moments of weakness when we're beating ourselves up. Friends, this rest and peace is the pathway back out of self-condemnation, back into confidence in Christ. Knowing God, knowing God loves you is the pathway out of self-condemnation back into confidence in Christ, back into living our lives for Jesus. And when we do that, when we set our mind to living for Jesus, we can ask anything we want and it will be given to us. It's not saying you can ask for a Ferrari and he'll give it to you. No, that's not living for Jesus. When we pray, God, give me greater holiness, give me greater kindness, Give me greater self-sacrificial love for my brothers and sisters because I'm struggling at the moment. As we pray these things, God answers our prayer. Those who live their lives in step with the Spirit, trying to obey God's Word, are blessed richly by God. As we pray in line with God's will, God is pleased and delighted to answer our prayers with a big fat yes. So what does this all mean for us today? We need to remember where love comes from. We can't just pull up our socks and love more. Love comes from God. 
And once we remember where love comes from and we go to that place to get it, to have our cup filled, then we can love one another and spill out into love for one another. The world hates Jesus and us. Love doesn't come from the world around us, ruled by the devil. Love comes from God. We love because God first loved us and gave his one and only son as an atoning sacrifice for us. Are you making time in God's word and prayer every day? If you're not, why not? If you say you're too busy, do you have a streaming service that you subscribe to, that you do make time for? If you do, maybe rethink how you're using your time. Find the time for God's word and prayer. We can find it if we want. We find time for all sorts of things. Find the time for God's word and prayer and you'll find the love to give to others. Christians love others. If we don't love one another, then we're not Christians at all. That's what this passage says. That love comes from God. As we abide in Him and we live His way and He abides in us, we have confidence in Christ and confidence in relationships with one another and confidence to reach out in love for one another. Confidence to offer help, confidence to offer hospitality because we know that Christ is with us and we are with him and he will strengthen us for the task he's asked us to do, which is love one another. If God's asked us to do this and we abide in him and we ask him for help to do it, he will help us. That's what this passage is saying. And even when our hearts condemn us, even then we know that Christ is with us. The world doesn't care that it hates us, but we do care, and that care is testament to the Holy Spirit at work within us. Believe in Jesus, dear brothers and sisters. Rest in his unceasing grace. Love one another practically, joyfully, confidently, as you are empowered by God's love, by his Holy Spirit, to love one another. And when those moments come, when you're tested in life, when you're challenged in life, when you're bumped into by others, love will spill out. Let me pray. Loving Father and Almighty God, we thank you so much for your love poured out on our whole world in sunshine, in rain, in the seasons, in family, and friends, poured out on us in Christ, in the blessing of trust in Him, in the promised Holy Spirit. Lord, strengthen us for the task of loving one another. Help us to love one another in word, in truth, but also in action. Help us to find ways to love one another. Help us to share our struggles with one another, which we don't want to do because we're proud and we want to be able to just sort out our own stuff. But Lord, help us to reach out to one another, confess our struggles, and then love one another practically. Help one another. Enjoy the joy of loving and being loving as we have in so many ways, thanks to you, 
these past seven or eight years in our church, Lord. May we grow in love for one another in new and exciting ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.